My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens, the show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. As always, I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. And we're going to continue the conversation we've been having about creativity. And today's topic is, is close to my heart because it's about how to learn from jazz, in particular, jazz improvisation, to be more creative in work and in life. Now... You probably don't know this about me, but as a kid, I was a very serious piano player. I mean, I was hardcore and I made money playing the piano in high school and in college by playing jazz piano gigs, cocktail parties and stuff like that. I played weddings. I played I played a lot of things and I was very, I guess, very cheap. I think I charged like 25 bucks. So I should have raised those prices, but I grew up in a very musical household. My brother is a jazz musician full time. That's what he does for a living. And so jazz improvisation has always been a part of what I've done. And I like to think that I've learned something about creativity from it, but I learned a lot more from my guest today. And that guest is Michael Hendricks. He is a partner and the global design director at Design and Innovation Consultancy, IDEO, where he has worked on everything from home goods to homeland security. He is also, and this is the cool part, an assistant professor of music and management at the Berkeley College of Music. And under his moniker, R.M. Hendricks, he has released half a dozen recordings of critically acclaimed experimental noise pop. And just because he's not busy enough, he is the author of the recent book, Two Beats Ahead, What Musical Minds Teach Us About Innovation, which he co-wrote with Panos Panay. So he's he's like living the dream. It's pretty cool combining a business career with a music career and then teaching about it. It's pretty awesome. And you're going to learn a lot today. You're going to learn how the lessons from the jazz world on collaboration and on riffing on ideas can serve in your your life and your career. You're going to learn how to find more creativity in your daily life and how to overcome the fear of doing so. And we've got some great lessons from Justin Timberlake, who Michael interviewed for his book. And we're going to talk about consumption versus creativity and how you can shift away from consuming and into creating. Now, I do have a little small ask for you this week, and this one is personal. Go check out my brother's work. My absolute favorite, by the way, is this album he did called Road Trip. You put that on in the background, you listen to it, you do what you need to do. It is awesome. It's a group of nine musicians. I went to the recording session. I just love it. So go check out Mike's music, please, because I promise you will like it. If you like the theme to this show, which he wrote, then you will love the, I mean, I like my theme, but it's nothing like the stuff he does on his own. Now, since this episode is all about improvisation, I decided to get into the spirit and not ask the usual first question, which is, what's the most important decision you've had to make to get to where you are today? Instead, I improvised and asked Michael, who is his favorite jazz musician? Well, you're not going to be surprised, but it's Miles Davis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what do you have a particular album? And let's get, should we go? I mean, for me, it's Miles Ahead. I don't know about you. Well, I like songs. I mean, Sketches of Spain is, might be my favorite album of his. But um, I, what I like about him is his evolution as an artist. You know, I mean, when you hear Miles Davis, it doesn't matter like if he's 
doing bebop or something like sketches of spain or if he's doing you know more of the free jazz thing electric free jazz with bitches brew you know or even it's like inching into hip-hop he's like unmistakably miles and yet he's rotating all of these musicians around him to fulfill his creative vision or to reach the audience he wants um and i absolutely admire that about him i mean and obviously his his uh, artistry is off the charts but it is more than just being able to do the same thing over and over again. He was able to evolve um, as an artist throughout his career. He was like the Madonna of his time. Just kidding. Madonna is the Miles Davis of our time. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Both incredible in that, you know, you have to give it to her because she's been at it for how long? 35 years and keeps it fresh. Um, and same with Miles. So I, listen, I love Miles Davis too. And I love Miles ahead the most, but I have to say my favorite jazz musician is my brother. <laughs> who is um not just because he's my brother of course well played he, well played my, much like miles davis mike mcginnis and everybody you can check him out he's he's on all the platforms and stuff um he he's very versatile and he's an improv first kind of person he teaches improv in fact and so today we're really talking about jazz musicians their skills and and how those things apply in other areas so just to jump right into that you know you've written this book two beats ahead what is it about the musician's mindset that sets musicians up for success as entrepreneurs, leaders, and problem solvers? Because that's not an obvious, a lot of people think artists flaky, they can't do anything else, which I don't agree with. Um, and I don't, you know, obviously you don't either, but unpack that for us. First, I want to say that, you know, musicians aren't more special than any other human. Um, I think we all have the characteristics that musicians have, but musicians find themselves in circumstances that cause them to develop certain mindsets and skills faster than others. Um, and that's because of the nature of the craft. So it could be um, le learning how to listen so that you're inspired or learning how to listen so that you can collaborate with others. It can be learning how to collaborate, which is finding the strengths in other people and finding ways to put those strengths with your strengths and create something new. Um, it can be like we were talking about miles. It can be um, about uh, understanding your core, understanding what your excellence is, and then being able to uh, hold on to that as you explore new things that stretch you in new ways. Um, so it is a mindset that cuts across a lot of different behaviors um, throughout our lives, and especially in, in an entrepreneurial space um i actually teach a class at berkeley college of music that pairs these two things together so when i'm sitting with musicians or um now because they uh have merged with a conservatory we have dancers we have actors um as well as engineers what i'm trying to do is help them understand that in their art there are certain characteristics or mindsets that they can apply to other parts of their lives just as i said um and I came across this idea in a very personal way. I mean, I'm a designer, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a musician. So there was a point that I was starting to go, you know, do these three rivers merge in some way? What are the similarities? And how could I help other people build a vocabulary that helps them unlock these things for them? Yeah, and you talk about, uh, I thought it was interesting, because I grew up playing music as a musician. I was really serious about it. I played jazz. Some of the things that you have to do when you're a musician like say you're in an ensemble and you're choosing people for the ensemble just the the way that you choose folks is different than you know maybe the way we think about hiring or when you're playing in a group and you're you're doing the different solos 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be comfortable being in the lead and then sitting back and being quiet, and letting the other person go. And those are things that in the work world, you know, it's there can be hierarchy and structure. So I'd love it if you talk about some of those particularities of music world that you think lend themselves towards being more successful in the world of entrepreneurship and business. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with the one you just mentioned, the idea that in an ensemble, you're going to trade lead, trade the lead, right? Um, I think about my most successful business partnerships, and that's usually the case. I mean, I, I um, before I came to IDEO, where I am today, I had a startup. It was in, in Tennessee. It was called Tricycle. And we worked with the carpet industry to help them, what we call dematerialized sampling. So we brought software. Um, we could brought visualization um, capability to their CAD and CAM, and we could take all their data and generate textiles on a screen. Um, the the best days of that partnership with my friends that um, we built the business with is not um, the days that we thought about our titles. You know what the board of directors, who the board of directors was talking to who the client thought was the most important person in the group. It was the days that we all felt we were riffing together. Um, and the titles didn't mean a lot to us. You know, we, we all had roles to play. We recognized that. But when it came to who, who had the best ideas or about anything, whether it was operations, legal, marketing, that was free for all. We could all participate in that, um, whether it was our expertise or not. When I came to IDEO, I realized that was the way all project teams work. I mean, even though you have um, a project leader, so to speak, on a multidisciplinary team, the advantages of having people with different perspectives, different skill sets means people can always lean in, contribute, and you can, and you personally can always feel like you can lean back and don't have to contribute when you don't have the knowledge. And that's really freeing not to be the smartest person in the, wor- in the room. Right. I think there's a lot of pressure um, in, in a lot of work environments to have the right idea, to look good, to make the decision that makes other, everybody go, ooh, <laughs> you know, I want to follow you. And I actually don't believe that's a, a very uh, constructive, creative position. I, I think what we're talking about from the musician's perspective is um, a lot more creative, a lot more of uh, what I would call collaborative, generally collaborative. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. FOMO. So let's talk about improvisation because, you know, you're talking, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like when you're in a jazz group, for example, a combo with, you know, say four or five people, you got the piano player 
they're playing the chords kind of you got the the drummer who's laying down the beat you've got the bass player who's also laying down the beat as well and then you have the soloists uh you know you, you know everybody kind of solos depending on what's going on but you typically have like the sax and the trumpet and everybody's improvising over this sort of stable bass line and, and the stable drum line and, and all this sort of stuff. And improvisation is some is one of those things that like when you're a kid, I remember it's fun. It doesn't feel scary. Mm-hmm. You feel like it's kind of like skiing. If you learn it when you're a kid, you, you, you don't have the fear. But if you start as an adult and you start improvising, it can be scary because you start to think, well, people are going to think I, I don't sound good or they're going to think that my my the, the the riff that I just came up with is not very good. How can, number one, can we, how, I guess, how do we teach improvisation um, in a way that people sort of can be free to improvise? And what are the lessons of doing that for the business world? Well, it's um, in the business world, you know, where improv will happen is usually it could be you know, in a meeting, someone's like, does anyone have any ideas, right? <laughs> it could be more formal, like, let's do a brainstorm. It could be like, you know, uh, a dire moment when everybody's like trying to solve a problem. But those are the improvised moments, right? Where you just, you're um, you're asked to respond to the situation. Um, I think in a healthy environment, again, um, in the, what we're not asking people to do is come up with the best idea. What you're asking people to come up to do is just come up with an idea, right? Because the the attention of the rest of the group isn't shouldn't be to judge that person. What the attention of that group should be is to listen to what that person is saying, and then look for inspiration or new ideas from it. So, you know that can happen in a lot of ways. You can you can hear somebody, you can think, well, that's an interesting idea. How what what else can I do with that? Or what, is that, what else does that inspire me to think about? And I'll share that. And I just built on your idea, right? And now we just riffed off each other. We just traded licks, so to speak. And you'll hear it and go, oh, wow, I really like the way you took that. And that makes me think of X, Y, and Z. So it's it's about being open to each other and not not there to you know, cross our arms and be the devil's advocate or to, to be the judge, jury, and executioner. It's actually there to be inspired by each other. And I think it's one of the the first things I would encourage people to think about is, you know, looking at their colleagues as people that, you know, they're they're a well of ideas, they're a well of inspiration, and it doesn't matter who they are, what role they play in the company, they've all got something to add. And if you believe that, then you won't judge the idea; you'll just be able to run with it and take it wherever you go. Now, if as I think about musicians, like my brother, I I, I watched him practice over the years. I mean, you know in the same house with him for 18 years of my life. And uh, he, the way he learned how to play jazz, he had this book of Charlie Parker solos, everything the guy ever did. And he just played, maybe he still does this. He spent a half a pandemic playing Charlie Parker, believe it or not. It's kind of interesting. All uh, on live streaming and on Facebook, right? So he learned the steps, just like you study in school or something, to learn the basics. And then from that, he was able to branch out and come up with his own ideas, writing own pieces. And so there is this this basic language that musicians speak. I mean, there's the language of music, of course, the notes and the and you know the as they're written on the page or as you come out with them. But then there's also the fact that you've built, you know, you you're able to technically play the instrument to a mm-hmm. point where you're, you know, 
You can, you can do what you, what, what your head tells you to do, you can do with your fingers. When we take that into a non-musical context, do you think it's the same? Are there other different challenges or can you sort of apply the same approach? I think it is the same. I mean, um, and I'll break that down. I'll, I'll break down the Charlie Parker example. So, uh, one, actually, we'll start with your brother. Your brother is disciplined, <laughs> right? And your and your brother mm-hmm. is is playing regularly. Uh, we can't forget that creativity is a muscle that has to be exercised regularly. Like if you if you're not doing it on a regular basis, and you suddenly try to jump in. You may not be able to. It's it's like if you haven't exercised for a while and you're like, I'm going to go out and run 5K, and and then you you know collapse after 1K. Um, that is, is the brain works the same way. So there is value in having that regular creative exercise, and that can come to in a lot of ways. Um, for in the business world, that could be reading books, just staying up to date on current ideas, but um, it could also be. Uh, just going through the practice of coming up with ideas on your own, right? Um, it could also be um, just getting familiar with a lot of different uh, fields. So one of the interesting things about creativity and about innovation is is usually the most innovative ideas are about putting disparate things together. You know, so the more the more knowledge you have, or the more interesting people have in your network. Those are all ways you can draw inspiration and new ideas, right? So the second thing is, um, you know, music and, you know, Charlie Parker, obviously he improvised uh, his way to these, um, what are now classic, classic runs or classic licks. And they, but now they become frameworks, they're frameworks we use, right? And so in, in the business world too, we use frameworks all the time. You might do a SWOT analysis, you might do, you know, um, you know, in, in my world, you might do an, an innovation stage gate or something like that. But those are important to have too. It's, they're important to know because they they give you they help you find your bearings. They give you a place to start, so you don't come on dry. You come up with at least you can think. Well, if I don't have an idea, I could at least go back to the the framework or the process and know where to start or or know where to come in, or I can help organize the chaos that I'm walking into into some kind of progression. FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens? Now that right there was Portuguese, and as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. I just like the way you put that because as I'm thinking about when you listen to a certain artist, you can hear their influences and they oftentimes will quote yeah. f- licks that other people have played before. And I never thought about those as frameworks, right? But when you listen to 
certain musicians, it's because the framework that they're coming out is the experience of having, when they were studying, playing through the whole book of Charlie Parker. So when you hear my brother, you're like, oh, this guy clearly played a ton of Charlie Parker because he's referencing some of those things in his own playing, which is fascinating. And I'd never thought about. Now, you mentioned this idea of if you don't, if you don't sort of work those creative muscles, um, it can be harder, which is, um, which is why I think a lot of artists, you know, even, even though they may be a musician, they're in the art museum, they're reading great literature because any great art can feed across into other types of art. But for, you know, for somebody who's, I think when you're in the day-to-day grind of life and it's like, ah, I'm working hard. I got, you know, family, family responsibilities. I've got just like, I gotta cook myself dinner and I don't have time necessarily to, you know, go to the museum and read Baudelaire or whatever people want to read for that stuff. I haven't read that, but I'm sure somebody has. Um, what are the, (laughs) what are the things that we can all do in our daily life to feed the creativity? Well, I think it's about connecting into your, your passion. So I would encourage everyone to think about in their downtime about being creative and what i mean is like literally creating something <laughs> literally just making something um it's very tempting when you're exhausted by the grind to you know binge on netflix for 12 hours uh, you know which is occasionally okay but to make it a habit versus just being where you're ingesting all the time versus contributing something i think actually gets you on your back foot in this game um, and I empathize with this. I mean, I'm in the business of innovation, which means I can't really have bad days. You know, every client we have wants us to come up with the next breakthrough idea. Um, and we have to stay at it. We have to we have to be working these muscles regularly. So I try different things. I'm not a poet, <laughs> but one thing I love to do when I'm traveling is I I like to do word association with wherever I am. If I'm sitting in the airport or if I'm on the plane or I'm in a new city I've never been in, instead of hanging out in the hotel room, I might walk out, sit on a bench on on the street and start to write down what I see or just observe, listen, and and capture that. And the reason for that is um, it's forcing me to be curious about where I am, not to take it for granted. Um, It's also forcing me to make associations so I have to, yeah, I have to somehow make sense of what I mean, this new experience that I have. And usually what I find is I don't, I don't try to associate my new experiences with other, with other factual experiences. I don't say, I don't, I'm, it's not like I'm in Rome and I see a stop sign and I think about a Roman, a stop sign in Boston. I might see a stop, stop sign in Rome, but for some reason it's unlocking something new inside of me. And I, and I start thinking, Differently, I differently about it. I might start thinking, well, the, the traffic is running differently here than I that I normally see. It's at a different pace. Well, the sirens sound different. Um, you know, the colors around me are a different color. The light is a different color. All all of that by just capturing it and writing it down is an act of creativity. But it's also starting to build connections and new patterns in my mind, and it helps me think in a new way. So you can do that at home, right? You can just <laughs> I mean, we block, we, you know, it's our uh, own self-preservation to, to block out as many familiar things as we can so that we can concentrate on the thing in front of us, but actually learning to work against that, um, and to be observant and to listen, I think is a great way 
that help keep your creativity strong. Yeah, I think we spend so much time consuming nowadays. And and believe me, I am definitely doing that as well. It's like, okay, when you're reading on the internet, which is I love to do, when you're listening to podcasts, which are the, that's a very important thing that everybody should do all day long, as long as it's homo sapiens. Uh, when you're watching television, you're consuming. There's no creation happening. The bar is pretty low. I mean, you get out a piece of paper and draw. I'm terrible at drawing, so I I don't get any joy out of that. But for me, it would be writing something, maybe. Um, having something that wasn't there before you came along that will be there after, that's what creativity is. That's what creation is. And I think because we've become such a consumption-oriented society and culture, you know, if you think about 100 years ago, kids drew all the time. Adults drew. People made um, knit stuff. They were always creating because they couldn't just order stuff on Amazon. And we've gone away from that. But I think one of the things that's happened in the last year is that people, because they had so much free time, did reconnect, whether it was, you know, cooking or, or doing things around the home. And so what's great about that is it's kind of, it's one of these, it's a renewable resource. And the more that you do it, the more it goes into the rest of your world and the less I don't know, fear is the strong word, but I guess the less that we feel apprehensive of taking risks and creating new things. So, and yeah. that, that spills into everything because you've unlocked that door and now you're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're afraid of, we're, we are afraid to expose ourselves with our creativity. Often we're afraid other people are going to judge us and, um, you get less, you, you get less anxious about it. The more you do it, it doesn't mean you get over it. I think many great performers I've met still say they get nervous before they go on stage, but you get the courage to keep doing it over and over again. And I think that's what you should be looking for. You know, another simple thing you can do is most people have a phone, a camera on their phone, but um, don't really take advantage of that. You know, if you want, if you just get curious, it's like, you know, if I said, all right, I want you to go out and take 10 photos today. You'd be like, what of what? Like whatever you want. But I want you to come back with, you know, 10 stories about what you took 10 photos but about. But they can't be selfies, okay? Not <laughs> selfies. <laughs> right. You know, um, and I I think um, those kinds of exercises really help us. They're, they're easy to do. I've, I, you know, for clients, sometimes I give them scavenger hunts. Um, and this could be helpful. Like I, I might say, um, let's say we have, we have a couple hour meeting at our office. You know, we're on a busy street. I may say, let's take, let's take 20 minutes and let's do a scavenger hunt out on the street. I want you to find an example of um, a high, high quality service design, you know, and you can, I don't care where you go and find it, just go find it and tell me about it. You know, or I want you to find an example for me of a well-branded experience, or I want you to find an example for me of an unusual product selection that surprised you, but even giving yourself puzzles like that will be ways to continue to unlock your mind in the business space. And you'll never be bored. And as, as anybody who listens to the show knows, my biggest, my biggest sort of complaint is I don't like being bored. And so it is true, like creating those moments can make life more interesting. And it can also give people a chance to show a little creativity. Now, as, as, I, as we're talking about this, it just, it, I guess my, my sort of takeaway from our conversation and I'd love you to just give your own view on this is I think the reason why this is so powerful and especially this idea of musicians and, and jazz musicians in particular is that people and jazz musicians who are, are improvising, 
that they have moved beyond a place of fear into a place of creation. And that's why they're so respected, because these are people who are turning the book to the last page and they keep writing something new. And that's really what their whole art is about. And that, you know, that can serve you whether you're on a stage or, you know, dealing with your family or building a business or just trying to get through a pandemic. That is power. So I just want to yeah. give you the last word because I think that, you know, you, this is, I came into this conversation that was not in my head and I'm leaving it <laughs> with that in my head. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts on that. Yeah, there's, um, you know, the, a quote attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, which is do one thing every day that scares you. Do you know that quote? No, but <laughs> now I'm going to be extra vigilant to freak myself out once a day. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's it's in that same space, right? It's just willing to take risk, um, and to push yourself beyond your comfort zone. I, I have to remind myself of this all the time um, as I'm moving into new spaces, but it, it's quite empowering because it's. Um, it's simply about having the courage to try something. You know, in, in the book, we we have an interview with Justin Timberlake, and he says one thing he learned from Max Martin, who is a famous uh, songwriter. He said, is, uh, Martin told him, he said, dare to suck. You know, it was like a very, a very simple phrase. It's, it's the same. It's, it's a, you know, maybe not as eloquent as Eleanor Roosevelt was, but saying the same thing, which is you've just got to be willing to take that step because if you could take that leap if you can say that thing if you can go to that place if you can talk to that person you're you're already miles ahead of everybody else who's still locked in fear and i I think you know when you're talking about in, in the jazz space um certainly you know you can you can try things that don't work even if your craftsmanship is great you know, they just don't like emotionally connect with people or it just didn't sound as cool as you wanted. But it eventually will because you're going to try it again and try something slightly different. You're going to try it again, do something slightly different. And that's the that's the next phase past this courage bit we're talking about, which is iteration. We want to be able to be courageous enough to take those steps. And then we want to continue to iterate upon those things that didn't work right? They're never an end. They're never a failure. They're just part of the path toward the end. All right, FOMO sapiens, that's some wisdom. Don't be afraid to suck. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, do not embroider that onto a napkin if you decide that's going to be your creative activity, because I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it's going to look good, but um, pretty good words to live by. All right, Michael Hendricks, the name of the book is Two Beats Ahead. The website is twobeatsahead.com. Michael, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. FOMO. Can't get enough of FOMO Sapiens? Join me on Patreon for ad-free episodes, bonus material, and exclusive content that will help you to master FOMO and position yourself for greater success in both business and life. Go to patreon.com slash FOMO Sapiens to learn more. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I love hearing from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO. FOMO.